Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, how are you? I I am also well. I'm very pleased because on Thursday, finally, my new rug is being delivered and it's going to transform the room, I hope, because I decided I want the colour scheme to be inspired by my beautiful Richard Haynes drawing that he gave me. Mm-hmm. And what colours and are they? Well, it's it's got a red background and then a woman in a sort of deep blue dress and a woman in a grey blue dress. Mm-hmm. So a new blue rug is arriving. Oh, wow. And I'm very excited. So yes. that it's already the focal point of the room, but it will make it the focal, focal point. Wow, amazing. This is my hope. That I, I good. I cannot believe how many rugs I looked at <laughs> before I decided on this one. I, I've never so bought a rug. So it better be right. So just, you haven't? Yeah, no, I've never it's bought a rug. It's a joy. Mm, I've looked at them sometimes. Maybe I should commit and go for if one. If only I'd known, I would have made you look at all the rugs with, with me. Yes, that would have been fun. Well, I, I'll need, once it's in situ, I'll need to get some cushions. So maybe you can oh, yeah. join in with cushions. I can be cushion advisor. I'd like that. Yeah, That's me a good too. title. And, and we have to be careful not to get any with feathers inside because currently we have feather cushions ah, and yeah. Coda spends all his time trying to get the feathers out of oh, the cushion. Oh, really? Mm, no, we yeah. don't. That's not Yeah, good. he becomes obsessed. And that's not very nice eating feathers. So no. We're going to have to have different kinds of things inside. So so anyway, but so that's my, my upcoming joy for the f- coming week. That sounds good. But, but how are you? What have you been up to? Well, yesterday morning, I can't believe this, I... I, I sometimes listen, to, well, I always listen to this podcast um, called Still Processing. Oh, right. Um, which is two... Oh, cu- yes, I know Yeah, that it's one. two yeah. culture writers for the New York Times. Yeah. And they had a long gap and they've started again, which is brilliant. And yesterday they were talking, and I was listening to it while I was working to, walking to work. They were talking about Old Town Road. Oh, yes. And I must be, I, I must be the last person in the universe to hear about it. I really had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> absolutely no idea so I for you you've just blocked it out it's just bizarre and then they sort of talked about it for like five minutes and played a bit and I thought oh I I love this so I tried to download it on on my way to work which didn't quite work but I'd still managed to listen to it and then that's all I've done pretty much since then I've listened to it like and it's very short so you have to listen to it like again and again and again I don't know how the various versions I've sort of listened to now and I'm quite obsessed with it and um I just can't believe I just can't believe I've, I hadn't come across it so at now all. you're just 100% on board yeah, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say 100, percent but I feel um, I feel 80, a, 90, 80, 80 maybe. 80. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I saw wow. it. It had a sort of double, double effect. It made me feel so much better because I really like it, but also good. it made me feel very stupid. You should don't feel stupid. You can't cover everything. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But that seems a really weird thing not to have known about. Anyway, so that's, that's one that's thing fine. that happened this week. But I <laughs> I know you went somewhere yesterday, is that right? You do know. You yes. do know. I did. Oh, my word. I went to see Emily Barber, who is marvellous, and I just love her. And she's head of jewellery at Bonham's Auction House. And as you know, she is gorgeous and divine. And she 
shows me the jewellery before the sale. Wow. I went on the music. Mm. And it's just a dream. Mm. I'm always so happy. Like, I hate getting the tube, and I avoid the tube at all costs. But even getting the tube, I was just like, no, no, I don't care. I'm going to see the jewels. And I just float there. And it's just marvellous. And, yeah, she's just so fascinating. It's just a joy. So can I tell you about some of the things Yes, please. So okay, is it well, for an upcoming sale? Yes, the yeah. sale is on Tuesday. Oh, okay. I don't think we can afford anything. Yeah. Even if we club together. Mm. But, you know, looking, visual consumption, that's important too. Mm. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. And honestly, I don't really lead the lifestyle that I could be wearing great big jewels all the time. No, that wouldn't work for me either. No, so really it's a blessing it's fine. in disguise. Mm. It's fine. We can cope with it. So the first set of things she showed me was really extraordinary, which is some really early bucciolati. I don't think I'm saying that right, but it's due to excitement. And it's like a family member is selling about 20 pieces from their archive. And some of them are really early, because I think the firm was set up by Mario Bucciolati in 1919. Oh, I've never heard of them. So were they in Italy? They're still like a really important um, jewellery house. And they're known for kind of the intricacy of their gold work and silver work and and kind of engraving. And so it was fascinating to see really early pieces that show the kind of birth of those ideas. And I, I, it was just fascinating, so fascinating. And I especially liked, as you can imagine, because as you know, I've been looking at compacts. Mm-hmm. I, I like a good compact. And there was this, it's called a necessaire, which I like, of course, anyway. Amazing, like very slim, um, like silver and gold. And they do this amazing, they use this tool called a burin, which I think goes back to like the Renaissance. And they do this really fine engraving. I'm showing you how <laughs> I imagine they do it, even though you can't see me. I'm moving oh, okay. my hand to show you. And so the surface of the lid, the base surface, is silver, but it, it almost looks like a fabric and it feels like a fabric oh, okay. because of this really, really fine engraving that gives it a sort of woven fabricy texture. And it's really incredible, incredible because they use different engraving techniques create all these different decorative devices so there are these little tiny almost like witty silver flowers and then little oblongs of engraving that create these different levels of gloss or matte on the surface and then some of them are inset with emeralds Mm. so the outside is amazing how big was it is it like a box or yes it's like a tiny clutch bag or okay or, or like a sort of double or maybe triple oblong compact Mm -hmm. and then you open it up and inside it's got a mirror and then these lovely gold real gold little lids that you open with a little engraved dilly do thing that you put up and you could put you know your compacts and you could have like powder or whatever inside Mm. them so there's three of those and they've also got little tiny etched dots like little stars on them that at first you think is that a jewel but it's it's etching so really fascinating that was from about 1940 so that was slightly later 
Mm. So yeah, and what what do you mean by early? Is it well early for them? They start in nineteen nineteen. Oh okay. Mm. And it's really it's yeah it's like cross hatched lines on the outside that form this kind of fabricy surface. And I also got to try on, which I enjoyed very much, several bracelets that had different kinds. Like one, it's almost like it's made of lace mm-hmm. because they kind of really delicate cutting out of the kind of base metal uh, not base metal you know what I mean yeah like the, silver, ba- yeah. Mm-hmm. the basis of it and then it's like layered up with different kinds of engraving and then jewels so it's very subtle but then if you move your arm it's very shimmery and lovely yeah and then gold ones that had this same kind of it's called regato this kind of very very fine lines in etching that again make it feel like material and then jewels set in absolutely amazing i really really was fascinated by all of them and there were some from the early 20s that were sort of the beginnings of this and it's really interesting because you can really see kind of renaissance references and he was like he's kind of was really innovative and you know, of his time and pushing towards the future, but really looking to the past. And some of the, you know, I said there were a couple that were like lace, yeah. but they also reminded me of like chain mail. And it was make, making me think that I'm sure in like the 16th, at least in the 16th century, maybe other centuries too, that Milan was known for its engraved armour. Oh, and yeah. that the fanciest mm. armour came from Milan. And so you kind of, it's as though it's kind of telling you this, like art history through a single piece of jewelry it's really you know it's it's like you can kind of half remember all these images you've seen mm. when you look at it yeah they're really beautiful and I was also it was making me think like what would you wear that with yes you know? mm. yes and there was a beautiful opal ring that was amazing from like the mid-20s that the setting is really quite deep so there's this amazing opal that's kind of apricot and lemon and pale green and pale mauve and um, you know that kind of watery shine opal has and then the setting is peridot so it's like very pale green type like parve so really teeny teeny green pale green jewels mm. and like every surface is etched and as you know i'm a minimalist mm. i like things stark but these were just enchanting because it's such amazing quality and it's so just visually lush and materially lush because there's so many textures being put in Mm. so I very much enjoyed looking at those and you said it was a is it so are these you said it was a member of the family who was selling them yes where they're maybe not ever yeah I guess they must never have been sold to anyone or I guess not I don't Mm. know but Mm. they're really yeah just completely fascinating and just quite a different kind of style like I mean that's what the house is known for now but it's really so interesting to see as I say these sort of pieces from the beginning of his career and and think about where the where the influences are coming from and there was a bangle which was the one I like most which is gold and it's it's inspired by rustication so it's it's kind of like sort of round bubble shape almost like sort of you know bricks that are rounded Mm-hmm. yeah mm. but it's it's textured so it's like a thick band i guess about i don't know 10 centimeters oh really oh i've just seen the inner diameter is 5.5 centimeters so i mean clearly i'm an unreliable source. <laughs> um but that's pretty big still that's already chunky. that's, that's chunky. chunky yeah and what's the just, difference between a 
bangle and a bracelet. Oh my God, I don't know. Is is a bangle a sort of uh, shaped thing that keeps its shape? If you see what I mean. Yes, maybe that's it. Mm. And a bracelet yes, maybe is more. Okay. Let's decide it's that. Okay. Because I'm not sure. Mm. We haven't got Emily here, so we can't. Yes, I just googled it. A rigid <sighs> ornamental band. Oh, okay, rigid. That's the thing. Okay. That's the word. Mm. Okay. So yes, yeah, so that so that was all very gorgeous and delightful. So I really enjoyed that. And then, can I tell you more? Yes, please. I I could just do a whole monologue. I love I love this. it when people and you do it so well when people describe things and I'll try well, and figure out in my like head having the whole story of a film told. Yes, and I'll um I like it how in my head things change. You know, you say at first yes, it's like this, and so something comes up, and then you it's sort of modified in my head while you talk. If you see what I mean, it's a whole Beatrice process. Yeah, yeah. So please. And then I'm sure you have the exact image. Yeah, I'm. I'm not so sure. I might. I might later on have matter. a look. You've have got a look. your own version. Yeah, I have Could a nice version of it. That's true. That's exactly. True. Okay. So the next one, we're moving back in time. Okay. To 1875. So take yourself back. You're now in your bustle. Yeah. Okay. And this is from London. Mm-hmm. And probably, if I had any money, this was only three to four thousand pounds. Oh, yes. Mm, so mm. it's you know. Still, I can't buy it, but it's, yeah. it's you know, within the realms of reason. This gorgeously chunky, chunky bracelet. This is a bracelet, not mm. rigid, a bracelet. And it's like triple nice twists of, fat twists of gold. And then they're caught onto a gold circle. So it's like twists, then a circle, twists, then a circle bracelet. Really beautiful. Just and gold or, or just gold mm-hmm. gold. So it's it's quite simple and it's interesting because it's by this man John Brogdon and apparently he used to sometimes incorporate artifacts. So like you know that was like an era of real discovery of like Egypt and yeah. Mm. yeah. So he would sometimes incorporate original artifacts. He would sometimes kind of imagine what a whole artifact look like if you recreated it and he was very influenced by history so this again it, it looks like it could be renaissance chains you know ah, interesting. but mm. it also looks like it could be 1940s or 1980s mm. or now and and that's another nice thing about jewelry that it kind of bounces through time in an interesting way yeah my colleague katie um she's a she's an applied arts conservator and she's just done this amazing course uh, which is like gemology course, um, and she she's we're doing this thing at the museum. We're doing these little films. It's like a fashion alphabet. So oh, nice. Yeah. So she's done G for garnet, and it's just by coincidence. I think it just came out this this week. So I'll send you a link. And it's oh please. It's, um, it's on your it's on the Museum of London website. Yeah, it's it's mainly for social media. So it's on the on Facebook. And it okay. and other social media. So I'll I'll send you something. Um, you can look at, but yeah, it's a it's a brooch, and it's another one of those that has historical influences. Uh, so yeah, it sound it's a, it's it's I think in in the way it looks, it's very difficult different to what you've just said. But it just reminded mm. me. But that sounds fun. I like the idea of fashion alphabet. Yes. Can I be R? Uh, as in R for Rebecca. Exactly. Yeah, why not? I will I will um suggest <laughs> not that. Not really, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
You'd have me oh, then. No, I just that. You'd have me. You would have to come to us, and then you you would have me standing with you in the um, Western textile <laughs> store and point at different, <laughs> point at you different and aspects. Explain. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I wouldn't like that. Yeah. I I think I just like fancied it for a okay. second, but now I'm retracting okay. my desire. Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> And we've, oh, I think oh. we've already got something for K, so we can't do K oh, recording. Oh, but if we do it again, if we do it again, yeah. yeah. But were there any, were there, what else was there? Were there any diamonds involved? Mm, I don't know that I looked at that many mm-hmm. diamonds. I did. Can I tell you one? Uh, oh, Please. Oh, did I, I looked at this amazing Belle Epoque aquamarine. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Like, ugh, such a big aquamarine. I just, it was lovely. And what um, was it? Kosh from ni- circa nineteen ten, and it's like a, it's on this woven seed pearl chain, like a long chain. There's teeny teeny pearls, which is mm-hmm. beautiful and amazing in itself. And then it's got a kind of tiny little diamond cap that connects between the pearls, and then this it's called briolette cut aquamarine. So it's it's like a sort of faceted surface almost. Mm. And is and it more so oval or? or... It's yes, like kind of teardrop shaped mm-hmm. and just exquisite. Really, really lovely. I can see you in that. Uh-huh. Hmm. And then there was another nineteenth-century one that was mind-boggling. I still, I have, I cannot tell you how this is made because my brain can't process it. Okay, so the front. You think this is nice? It's a Renaissance-style golden enamel. Mon- you know, it's got like CB and it's got. It's very much like an order, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and, mm. and that's very nice. And you think, well, that's very nice. But then you turn the back, and Beatrice, it's got a portrait miniature, but it's a photograph in enamel. Wow. I don't How think I've ever that seen possible? that. How is that possible? That I, that I don't understand that. It's apparently by Mathieu Desroches, and it's this procédé... Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you what it says because I don't understand it. Mm. And it says it marked a new phase in portrait miniature during the late 19th century when the development of photography had resulted in a distinct decline in demand for traditional ivory and enamel portraits. And it says this new and durable carbon technique enabled a photograph to be formed on a glass plate and then transferred onto an enamel miniature before firing. Wow. I know. How big I is mean, it? Um, small. Oh, I shouldn't have asked you. Sorry. <laughs> I know. You know I can't do so. Yeah, size. I shouldn't have asked you. No. Okay. But you could fit it in the palm of your hand. Okay. It's like a cherry. And I've got... Cherry small. or plum? Oh, smaller. More plum. More plum. Okay. Mm. Mm. That's probably a, a, a light measurement scale I can manage relating mm. it to fruit. Fruit. Mm. Fruit. Yeah. You need to remember it, that. Yeah. But it's... I mean, how is that even? Yeah, that How sounds incredible. That? I need someone to do that in front of me. Yeah. I need to see I wonder that. whether people still do that because... I don't know. They should because it looks amazing. Because, uh, you know, quite a lot of people now use wet collode, you know, sort of old photographic True. techniques. But, um, yeah, I wonder whether anyone still does that. That sounds yes. incredible. It and is. Do, I... do they also, um, maybe, maybe you can't say that, um, I, I just wonder, we, you know, we have quite a good jewellery collection, but we also have yes, an absolutely fascinating 
collection of the boxes things come in and often they have the most incredible shapes because they're specially made for for the jewels so I don't know the the gold bracelet that I told you from the 1870s Mm -hmm. that was in a beautiful blue box that was the shape and it had a little tiny piece of paper in it saying this is for such and such a person Mm. So that was very lovely. Yes, some of the things have their original boxes, but that one, if it did, I didn't see it. Yeah. But no, the boxes are very lovely. Yeah. Be nice to have, an exhibition. have an exhibition. Yeah, <laughs> just of the boxes. Yeah. I mm. know, because then it would be really super poignant that you had to imagine the jewels that would go in. There. Yeah. Okay, that put that on our list of yeah. exhibitions we'll do once we have our own gallery. Yeah. And, and is there another one? one? There's another one. Good. There's at least one more, if okay. not two, Good. that I particularly want Good. to mention. Actually, there's two, because there's one I want to tell you that's got interesting things, and then the last one is just, please, can I have this? Okay. Okay. So first of all, there was a Lalique jewel from about 1900, mm-hmm. which was fascinating because it was really unlike anything else in the sale and it's gold and enamel so i'm interested i'm interested to see the enamel processes we're seeing Mm. and it was making me think of wonderful alice ciccolini who does those amazing now who does amazing jewelry with a bright colored enamel and gemstones gorgeous Mm. so there's her but then going back to la ligue it's really amazing so it's it's a a pendant but quite a big pendant Mm -hmm. and it's like a woman's face looking to one side that's in blue iridescent blue enamel and it's in low relief so there's like a texture to it yeah. and when it's flat it just looks almost like the color of a biro pen blue oh yeah but then you move it and it's really shiny and iridescent like an insect's mm. wing and then there's really fine swirly kind of art nouveau gold around it that has got these beautifully rendered cornflowers with tiny blue is it enamel as well yes i think enamel for the center of the cornflower which is so pretty and then blue glass as well set into it so it's really fine and really really detailed and apparently he loved nature and loved sketching so the so the cornflowers are very beautiful the way they're they're done and so then i came home and I just looked on the Vogue um, and Harper's Bazaar and Women's Magazines to see, because I was just fascinated, like, who was wearing these? Because yes. they're so different mm. from the diamonds and the, you know, like, big jewelry yeah. jewels. And when was that from? That was about 1900. Oh, yeah. In that period, you get those lovely write-ups of, you know, what's been seen in Paris mm. and these sort of detailed descriptions of we saw someone at a party wearing this. And Lalique comes up as worn on belt buckles at collars, you know, as, as kind of beautiful fastenings and mm. details, but all the little tiaras. And it's described as being, interestingly, nouveau art rather mm. than art nouveau, but, but as this form of artistic jewelry that's showing your artistic taste rather than your money because it Uh, says that he's kind of inspiring all these other jewelers so you you can get maybe not his work cheaply but you can get cheap uh jewels that are lalique-esque and often it's like being worn in the afternoons with tea dresses or at a salon Mm. 
So it's really interesting, this kind of idea, idea of your day jewels. Yes, imagine. I hadn't even thought about that. that I, you, know. You I ha- know. I've only ever thought about people changing their outfit. But of course, you have to change your jewels. You do. Hmm. You do. And so maybe in the afternoon, you're thinking, now I feel a bit avant-garde mm. and a bit artistic. And I'm going to show that off now. So it was just the pendant, not with a... Um, not with a chain or chain. anything. Mm. Because some of them, I mean, I don't know about this one, but some of them, you know, they'll say worn on velvet ribbon oh, okay. or something. Mm. Mm. So it may not have been a gold chain yeah. originally. Because when I first saw it, I was saying to Emily, who would wear it? And I was saying, like, Marquesa Cassati yes. or something. Because there's something a little bit eerie about it. You Is know, it's it quite, quite ghostly, big? the woman. Mm. Pardon? Is it quite big again? or it... It's bigger, yeah. Mm. And it... It's so definite, you know, it's such a statement piece, mm. even though it's so fine and delicate. Because mm. I was saying it's like aesthetic dress, even though it's later than aesthetic dress, that yeah. it's that sense that you, you're conveying something else through your jewels. Mm. But it was sort of interesting. I always think there's sort of interesting themes that you pick up on as you go through a sale like that. And, and just these different ways of using enamel and different kinds of the way the jewel relates to your body, but also your dress. Because like when, when I was looking at the Gucci latte and it, and it was so like lace, I was saying, would you wear this with your lace calosa dress? I don't know. Mm, yeah, It's very interesting. But also I, I wonder who, you know, who buys them now? Do they buy them as collector's items or well, do they actually wear them? Well, I was asking, them? and Emily said it's really, really varied. Mm. That you get some people who buy them to wear, some people who are collectors, um, some people, not obviously for the Lalique, but with the ones with really amazing stones in them, some people buy them for the stone, not the setting oh, mm. as well, which is fascinating. Because yeah. it's interesting, because I was thinking about like jewellery and sustainability and how they're so expensive, these mm. jewels, some of them, but they're things that are going to last, you know, they've already lasted 100 years or 200 years and they'll carry on much longer and they'll be in that setting or revised into another setting mm. which brings me to the thing that I really want okay okay brace yourself okay so this is a sapphire and diamond three stone ring so sapphire in the middle diamond either side gorgeous mm-hmm. and what I was most fascinated by was Emily said it's this it's a cashmere sapphire and cashmere as in the place mm-hmm. and because she told me about it before I saw it. So I was really interested because she said it's this particular kind of blue. It's called a velvety blue. So it's different from other sapphires. And I kind of couldn't really quite imagine it. And then when you see it, it's amazing because it's so different from other sapphires. Because I think of sapphires as sparkly in the way diamonds are, really. And obviously they come in different shades. Mm. But it's that kind of hard shine. But this one is such a rich, lush, it's somehow, you know the way that velvet is simultaneously matte and shiny? Yes. It's that. So, I mean, if I had it, I would never really do anything other than stare at it. Stare at it. And does it, I suspect it doesn't really come out in a photo that... No, I mean, you can see in the photo that it's an amazing colour blue and Mm. it does look really amazing. And having the diamonds either side kind of emphasizes it because obviously the diamonds are so clear and hard and sparkly and then this amazing deep 
deep it's like staring into really deep water mm. that sounds um, amazing you know when it's like mm, that kind yeah. of really like navy blue water mm. it's like that wow. but that was the estimate was 80 to 120,000 oh. <gasps> wow and what was what was the period of when when was I that? can't remember what mm. the period of that was because I think there's a really short amount of time that this this particular mine was open that apparently mm. it was just it's high up so it's really hard to get to and I mm. think it was something like I don't know like 1860s to early oh, 1900s so or something like that that, old, that it yeah. was mine mm. so it's it's a very particular period that the stone comes from mm. and that it's like up in the mountains you know part of the year it's covered by snow it's a highly contested highly politicized area so it's often inaccessible and mm. problematic from that perspective as well yeah but also mines obviously get exhausted but it's kind of amazing mm. so that i would like that one and the gold bracelet please. okay okay yes yeah it also just when you just said that it reminded me of how katie spoke about the garnet and she she was saying something about it having fire and i thought that was such a good um, way of describing it because yes. i i don't really have you know, I should really know more about jewelry than I do, but I don't really have words sometimes. You know, well, it is difficult because it is a different. It's like a different set of words you need. Than, yes, than I know. Clothes, isn't mm. it? But I, I also really like like when you're saying about what does the sapphire look like when it's photographed. I also really like looking at paintings to think about the jewels and the settings and the way that they're painted mm. as well, because it's really interesting how different levels of shininess or sparkle or matte, matte are conveyed through paint that's true and how i think really in, interesting in some periods they almost sort of disregard jewelry mm. even though people yes. must have worn it but yeah well like in the 18th century when they they mainly show you the pearls even though there are all these incredible diamond rococo true yeah curving mm. pink diamond brooches and things mm. oh there's mary Mary, what's her name? By is it Hogarth, where she's got all her jewels on? Because she's just like, I don't care. I'm just wearing. It. <laughs> Do you know the one I mean? No, I don't. Mm. It's an American woman, and I think she's wearing a red dress. And it, I really remember it from when I did my MA. That it's kind of funny that she's just like, I don't care. Oh, you must send me a link. I, I'm going to yeah. try and find it. Yeah. My favorite jewelry wearer, but I think I said that before, is Queen Anne, Anne of Denmark. Oh, she's a She's just puts yeah. it in her hair. She puts it just like everywhere. <laughs> I know it's really good. This is like I don't care. I'm going for it. Yeah. It's Miss Mary Edwards from 1742, and yeah, she's got she's already like brightened out there in a scarlet dress. So she's already like forget it with the 18th century pastels. I'm going bright. Mm. And then she's got she's got a chatelaine. She's got a brooch on her lacy. Quaff, she's got several layers of diamond necklace, she's got pearls, she's got rings. Wow. So she is not messing about. She and, and actually she also has her dog who is looking at her like, Oh my lord. That sounds familiar now, but yeah, please yeah. send me the link. And oh I'm going to right now. Okay. Yeah. Well okay. thank you. This was very pleasurable. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to me going on and on. No, it was I enjoyed it. Marvellous. Well, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yes, same here. <laughs> with my jewellery on. Yes, you can make noises with it. I can. 
Yeah. All right, I'll talk to you soon then. Yeah, bye. Bye.